0: John Cooper is an amazing musician. He's a singer, songwriter, and a lead vocalist, and the bassist and co-founder of the Christian rock band, Skillet. Skillet, if anything, is bold. It is out there music. It's strong, and they have sold millions and millions of albums. The thing about John Cooper, though, that really attracted me to him is not only is he bold in his faith, he's humble in his heart, his appearance, the way he the way he interacts, you know, he, he could be a famous rock star, walk around with, um, you know, sunglasses in the dark, that kind of thing. <laughs> but he doesn't. He, he lives on a farm up in the middle of the United States and writes music. And then he wrote a book. And that's what really got me because it's called Awake and Alive to Truth. Awake and Alive to Truth. When John Cooper did that, not only has his music always been on my radar, and it's some amazingly creative things, but when he wrote that, it, it uh, began to really pull on me because I thought, man, this guy is not just a singer. He's not just a guy on stage, wanted to be a rock star. This man, This man really has strong faith, strong values. He is a follower of Jesus Christ, and uh, he wants the world to know it, and he wants people to come to Christ. He's an amazing guy. And so when I got the book and I began to read it, I thought, whoa, I need to meet this man. So we arranged the time to talk, and this conversation you're about to hear on Brave Men today is, is the conversation of us meeting for the first time. And I was totally knocked out with John. Uh, he and his wife, Corey and uh, family are fully engaged in bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, if you if you need materials and things, uh, I know we're going to do a a little thing at the end, but if you need materials to help disciple men, to raise up a man like John Cooper in your own household or in the church you attend, you can find all those tools with the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. That's Christian Men's Network, cmn.men men. And at that website, you'll find the tools and resources you need for your church, for your small group, for your family to help you. I, we believe that when you build strong men, you build strong families, and you build strong families, you build strong churches. And strong churches are the hope of the world. And uh, in fact, John and his wife, very involved in their local church where, in the uh, area where they live. And uh, there's just so many things that recommend me to his music. And of course, the latest album they've done is Victorious. You're going to love this thing. It's going to enlarge you. It's for some of us, if you haven't listened to Skillet, it's going to put some new things on your playlist. uh, Something you're going to want to, this is music for road trips. This is music to wake up uh, with. This will wake you up. It's some amazing stuff, extremely talented and it's great to have John Cooper today on Brave Men.
1: It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey.
0: Talking with John Cooper, and John is the lead vocalist, bassist, and songwriter for Skillet. And uh, Skillet is uh, just this huge music band, but it's really more than that. You're really speaking into culture out of your music. And now a new book, John, you wrote a book, uh, that is, "Awaken uh, awake and alive. And where'd that come from?
1: Yes. The book is called awaken alive to truth. Um, I think if I want to really, really rewind for the long version, since we're, since this isn't yeah. a, a, a seven minute interview, um, Oh gosh, I just noticed that my computer is dying. I don't understand. I have it plugged in. <laughs> Give me one second.
0: No problem.
1: <laughs> nice. It's been plugged in this whole time, and, uh, but the power strip was turned off. Yeah, that's how he... This is the real stuff. <laughs> this is the real stuff. <laughs> anyway, so the long version is this, and I'll try to say it as succinctly as possible. 2012, I began noticing... Well, the even longer version is I became a Christian when I was five years old. My parents were Christians and I was lucky. Uh, I shouldn't say lucky. I was blessed to know God at an early age. Thank the Lord Jesus. And I've knew God ever since I was five and passionate about preaching the gospel evangelism, telling people about this great hope in Christ that I found right. 2012 is when I really began to notice this crazy shift. People were saying things that I didn't understand. I didn't understand the language and, And and to to some small degree, at first, I had wondered if it was just because I was getting old, like, is this just, are they just using, you know, new words changed? Yeah, Yeah, the language has changed. I'm not cool anymore. But I was like, no, there's there's something else going on. And even inside the church. And so long story short, it began this search for me not just to dig into the Bible, which I I already kind of had a pretty good handle on theology, but I did begin to dig into the Bible. Mm -hmm. But I began to dig into a lot of other things like culture, philosophy, even uh, atheistic philosophy, trying to understand where is this coming from? And after about three years, I really, uh, I I said to my wife, I'd read over a hundred books probably. I was just like studying like crazy. The reason being Because it affected me personally. I had Mm -hmm. friends who were in the faith completely walk away from Christ. I had friends walk away from their families. I had a, I had a friend that was a minister who walked away from his wife and four kids, his pregnant wife and four kids into another uh, romantic relationship. And, and, and when I confronted him, this is what he said. He said, yeah, but I just feel like this new girl was meant to be my soulmate this wow. is who god had for me and i met yeah. i missed it before and i said wait a minute i thought that we agree on the same bible how could this be possible and after about three years of studying i realized it was all coming down to these philosophies that are not just in the church they are in the world they are ubiquitous and it is the way we view truth right. we're not necessarily disagreeing it's not just that we're disagreeing on what truth is we are disagreeing on whether truth even exists right. and it oh, is found correct. in the these f- philosophies of postmodernism and the like right. so i wanted to write this book for people that aren't academic people that aren't geniuses people that don't have theology degrees just normal people that are like what is going on this yeah. is a guide to some of those philosophies and it gives you two paths you can you can follow the worldly philosophies into death or you can follow the word, the eternal words of Jesus Christ into life.
0: You know, uh, yeah. In the book, you, you did that. I mean, you came out basically with two lead guitars, double drums, you know, Leonard <laughs> Skinner, you came out with the bass going strong. I mean, this book just right off the front end, I'm reading it and I yelled across to my wife who's in the kitchen. And I said, Hey, this guy actually is a Christian. <laughs> this is—he's <laughs> into this stuff.
1: Somebody's somebody's saved in the, in the in the the Christian entertainment world. This is yeah. nuts.
0: <laughs> he's it. He actually did all these songs and, and all this stuff, and he loves Jesus. This is awesome.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: But you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of stuff that comes out is is written by. People who say, hey, uh, this and this has happened, and we got to come out with the book, we gotta come out with this, we gotta do this. And you've got a whole different motivation. Let me go, let me ask you this quick question. And it's just something that cracked me up because uh my oldest grandson has a problem with this. And that is that my oldest grandson, Cameron, does not have an inside voice. <laughs> right. He doesn't. He can't say, okay, inside voice. He goes, that's what I was doing. <laughs> <It is. laughs> and when I hear you sing, and and I mean, even your ballad, like Starsy, you guys did that incredible song uh, for the shack for Paul's uh, book uh, movie. Uh, even then, you're just like full on going for it, you know? Was right. that something your mom always had to tell you? Just, well, you're you're uh... passionate.
1: I I definitely am passionate. Probably one of the best, the best, well, depending on who you ask the best or the worst thing about me is is probably I'm very convicted. Um, I'm very passionate about what I believe. And I, that probably can be annoying to be around 24 Uh, we can ask my wife actually don't ask her. I don't want to know. Yeah. It's probably a little bit annoying, but definitely, you know, um, Let's just say this: When I read the testament, uh, the New Testament, the person I most relate to is John the Baptist. I'm like, yeah, that's the way it should be. <laughs> that just makes sense.
0: <laughs> Slam on people, <laughs> brutal yeah, you know, vipers. Uh, and you dedicated the book to your mom. And uh, the the first chapter is when you talk about being becoming a Christian. At five, it just wasn't like uh, you had this little thing in Sunday school. You actually had the Lord came and spoke to you and in your heart, you accepted Christ right then.
1: Mm, yeah. It's an
0: amazing story. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, you know, and let me just put it this way. Oh, you're sure. very vulnerable putting this in print in a book, considering the industry you're in.
1: Yeah. I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I, I did. I mean, I was so blessed. My My mom was a Jesus fanatic. I mean, Jesus fanatic. Okay. Em- embarrass me at the grocery store, talking to random strangers about Christ when people, you know, all they want to do is, you know, find out which, which squash is in season. And my mom comes to help. I can help you show which squash is in season and talk to you about Christ and your eternal yeah. salvation. And you know,
0: everybody has seasons in life. <laughs> And then
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, do you want to be squashed by the wrath of God? No, anyway, oh, Wow, that, I'm joking. Anyway, yeah. um, but my, my mom loved, loved Jesus and she loved the Bible, and she would read the Bible. I yeah. don't remember a time of my life when we didn't have breakfast reading the Bible, I mean, ever since wow. I was like, two. So I, I was so blessed to be raised with an understanding that God created the world. And he made, th- he made everything that is made was made through Christ and was made for him, for his pleasure. I understood that ever since I was a kid. And, and I was a simple understanding, but that takes the worldview off of myself it, and it puts it onto this God. This is all for him. All this yeah. is for him. And so even as a young kid, I just believed that. And so when I was five years old, you know, I was in my room at night when I gave my life to Christ no arguments <laughs> no uh, i just thought, yeah that's i i i felt a um, a voice in my head if you will however people want to explain that i don't know the right words i just had a sense in my head of G- of god saying you need to give your heart to jesus and i said okay i want you to be my boss and and ever, ever since i was 5 Jesus has been my boss, which of course means he's my Lord. He's not just my savior. He's my Lord. And that has been really the groundwork for, for, well, it's really the groundwork for the Christian life, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Lord and you know, Savior.
0: Yeah. Be my boss. I, I absolutely love that. Cause I could hear a five-year-old uh, saying that. Right. I know the yeah. right words, <clears throat> you know, be my boss. Mm. And that became. See, you know, you can argue a man's theology and epistemology and all that, but you can't argue a man's experience.
1: Yeah, I think it's powerful sharing. I do think it's powerful what you've been through, and Mm -hmm. and now I don't believe what you've been through is more powerful than the Word of God. Of course, we don't believe that. But understanding what you've been through, say, hey, this is how Christ changed my life, and. This is, this is how it lines up with the word of God. And uh, he, he will be your hope when you have no hope. It, you know, the Bible, the word God says that he, he is close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that wonderful? We can know that he's a refuge and a strength uh, always present in your times of trouble. These are amazing promises that God gives us in, in in the Bible, and they're true, and I can tell you how they're true in my life. And I think that's a pretty powerful testimony.
0: Talking to John Cooper, and uh, the book is Awaken Alive to Truth. I, I just said Awaken and Alive, and you were right. It's Awaken Alive to Truth. In fact, you didn't you have an album or a tour that you did yeah, of years ago, We have
1: a song. We have a song called "Awakened oh. Alive," and that album is called "Awake." So there's a yeah. lot of okay, awake that's... type stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so it's something you've been that's been working in your spirit. It wasn't just, "Hey, this would be a cool idea to write a book," because yes. if anybody ever gets that idea, once they start trying to write it, then they know this was not a cool idea. This is actually <laughs> work.
1: Right. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I, you know, I wrote the book in probably at least 13 countries because I was uh-huh. on tour. I didn't uh-huh. write it during COVID. It was all, it was 90% finished uh, last December a year ago or plus. Yeah. And, and, and I wrote it. And here's the interesting thing, or, or I think people, cause you were saying that, you know, this is going out all over the world, right? Right. A lot of the deconstruction that is happening in within christianity a lot of people that are losing their faith and they're deconstructing and and yada yada some are becoming apostate what have you that's not just an american phenomenon that's happening all the way around the world and and as i was traveling because we we tour all the way around the world i'm like oh my gosh this is happening in saint petersburg russia oh my gosh, this is happening in, 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 uh, in Germany, in England, in Australia. And, and I want to say this, we were not playing churches. We we don't play there. There's not like a Christian music scene in Russia. We just go and we play clubs, you know, we played with, uh, um, uh, metallica we go we play with lincoln park we play with aerosmith and black sabbath and iron maiden we go and play with metal bands in europe and it's not just in the church deconstruction is happening on all of society and as i began noticing this is a worldwide phenomenon it just broke my heart and i see people's lives that 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 all of the foundations of their lives are being chipped away, chipped away, chipped away until there's nothing left to stand on. And then you're, you're just thrown around. And so that is why I opened the book with the words of Jesus himself. When he says, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's a man who builds his house on the sand. He, that that's like someone that hears my words, but does not act upon them. And they, they're building a house on the sand. And when the waves come or the storm comes, That house is going to be demolished. But there's also someone that hears my words, obeys them, and he's like a man who builds his house on a a rock. And I just was heartbroken that wouldn't that be wonderful in 2021 to build your house on the rock and be unshakable?
0: Yeah, and that is what Jesus said. He said, I've told you all these things. He said John recorded it. He said, I've told you all these things so that in this world you would be unshakable. And uh, so you've got this uh, little band called Skillet, which has sold tens of millions of albums and gone around the world, Grammy Awards, all this. Uh, so let me ask you a couple of things about that. Uh, Skillet, I, I know there's a... Uh, a history to it, but tell me what, what the history is to actually naming a band Skillet.
1: <laughs> well, we, when we got started, we were a side project of several different bands, and we were—I mean, all the, none of the bands were heard of. We we were a super group without anyone being super. Okay, so <laughs> nobody ever heard of the groups, but it was actually my my pastor who was quite. Um, he he was very aware of the times, let's say. He was very aware of the times. He was very aware of like what was happening. And he could see something in me that he liked. Yeah. And he could see something in a guitar player from a different band in the church that he liked. And he could see something in a drummer from something else. And he said, you know what you guys should do? You guys should start a side project and uh write a couple of songs because i think that you guys could have something special and i was like oh sure he was my pastor why not and and he said if it works you could call it skillet it would be like taking all these different ingredients out of different bands and throwing it in a skillet and uh, he was right we did and within a, a few months we were recording a record and we were, were all killing. stunned because i'd spent <laughs> six years in the band that i was in prior to wow. that you know work and work and working and. and then we did this other thing that we didn't really work that hard for and all of a sudden something happens so yeah. i think he, he was really on to something and so i never thought skillet would last this
0: long never yes. never dreamt it i thought yeah, so skillet was like, like it's like yeah. southern cooking
1: yes it's absolutely we're from memphis so yeah absolutely man you that, yeah. that's what you do you throw some more butter in and everything will be fine
0: butter makes everything better oh. <laughs> you just throw some more of that in a little more salt. I think it needs a little more of this. Yep, we'll cooking. Throw a little bit of this in. Uh, grew up in Memphis, and of course, there's a big music scene in Memphis and in, in, in music background. Most people would know it because of Elvis Presley, but the but it goes way back to Blind Lemon Jefferson and the Delta blues and all that sort of stuff, if you will. But so there's a big music scene, and and that had to have an impact. I would say though, you know, in reading your book, the biggest impact in your early life was your mother uh, getting cancer.
1: Yes, absolutely, yes. Tell me about
0: that journey.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, as I said earlier, a foundation for my life was was really laid by my mom's teachings from the Bible. And since I know we have a lot of uh, dudes watching this thing, which I'm yeah. really, I'm, something I'm very passionate about, I always want to encourage parents, especially men, what what your role in the family is, you know that your role is to wash. Uh, what is it? Wash uh, wash your wife in the word. I believe is what the scripture says, and to train up your children. It's such a exactly. it's an amazing responsibility that God gives us. It's such a blessing. But my mom was the one that did that in my family, and so she 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 just built the word of God into me. But something happened that we didn't expect um, when I was in sixth grade. Um, I can't remember how old sixth grade is. It's roughly 10 or 11, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she got cancer and I, it it's just something that when you're a kid, you just. You don't even really know what that means. You know, I'm mean, like, right. but 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 what does that mean? <laughs> uh you know, what's the worst thing that could happen here? Yeah, it
0: just means mom's going to the hospital and coming back and forth and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, exactly. Somebody give me you know, a worst-case scenario here, man. Yeah.
1: But you know, I think what happened with me was that it was a roller coaster for about 3 years. My mom uh, went through uh uh chemotherapy. She went through um you know, like surgery, she had breast cancer. So she had surgery to, to, uh, I think they call it uh, double, double, whatever that's called. She had her breasts removed, whatever that's called. Yeah, I can't 47. remember. Then she has to go through reconstructive surgery. She went through radiation. So you're in this, this house, especially back then. I mean, cancer treatment has come a long way since, since yeah. the eighties, but you're in a house with someone that is just, it, it, you can sense the death. You know, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. It smells like death. It feels like death. There is no hope in this house. But then my mom, amazing thing happened. She went into remission and everybody said, wow, the cancer's gone. And so my mom had a year of living cancer free. But then when when I was in eighth grade, it came back again and it came back with a vengeance. And so my mom went straight again, chemotherapy. Several days a week, and and my mom shriveled up into this little Mm. 93-pound woman, and it it was a very brutal time. But my mom used to say to me, John, if the worst ever happens, you cannot ever be mad at God because God is good and God works all things together for the good of those who love Christ according to his purposes. So you can't be mad at God. He's good. And, but you know, um, well, so on and so forth. So she did end up dying. I was, um, I think 15 or 14 when she, when she actually passed away and that was difficult, but the word of God held me. And, 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 yeah. and th- but that did become the hardest time in my life. And to, to be frank with you, which I did not write in the book, tell you something I didn't write in the book. My mom's cancer wasn't the hardest thing. My mom's death wasn't the hardest thing. The hardest thing was that me and my dad began fighting. My dad got remarried two months after my mom's death. She had three, uh, three, uh, three kids. We had three kids. It was like the Brady Bunch from hell. And I hated my dad. And I used to just be in agony from from that relationship and Mm. i used to pray i remember praying at night i didn't write this in my book because i don't i didn't I I, i don't want the whole world but but it's important and it's pertinent i used to pray that god would cause my dad to physically try to hurt me so i could hurt him I was 16. I was lifting weights. I was much stronger than my dad. By the time I was 16, I knew that I could take my dad and I wanted an excuse. And I would pray, God, please let him do something to me so I can do something bad. to him." him. And that is what led me to the night that I was on my bed, which I did share in the book when I just reached out. And I said, God, I know you as a Lord and Savior. I need to know you as a friend. And I and I again felt that voice in my head that said, yes, I'll be a friend, but I'm also going to be a daddy to you.
0: Yeah. In see, that, life, You, you put it in the book, but that contrast you're sharing right now about the, the angst between you and your dad. Yeah. And, and frankly, two months after the passing is, is just, it, it's, it's, that's brutal, man. Yeah. Because I, and I've got friends who've gone through uh, a lot of different situations and it seems like uh, that if there's at least a year you know, in their stretch, it's like I'll never forget a friend of mine who's uh I say his friend is a son of one of my closest friends. He said, you know, when his dad remarried, he said, you know, the thing is, he said, the other family, like when they found your dad, like he was their new hero.
1: Oh, right, interesting.
0: So now you're you're the people coming in, mm-hmm. the new wife and her kids have found their hero but what happened to you is you lost your mom right interesting yeah and that's what he said to me he says they found their knight in shining armor i lost my mom Mm. so the the contrast is huge and the psychological contrast is huge how did that how did that move into your music then i'm interested did you begin to then really push yourself into music from that point you were athletic you did stuff Mm, Sure. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. You know, well, I think to to even give a little bit of good news and a little bit of hope and excitement is, you know, that moment that I did, that I did pray that I could know God as a friend, which is biblical, of course, right? Right. Jesus is a friend of sinners. We're friends of God and not enemies. That's unbelievable Bible truth. But also the fact that God became in that moment, he was already my father, but I didn't understand him really as a father. Mm. And when I began to understand him as a father, God began to work forgiveness in my heart towards my own dad. Isn't that awesome? And Mm. I began to realize, oh, this isn't, you know, after the years went on, this, this isn't just on my dad. I've done a lot of bad things too. And I need to ask forgiveness as well. So I just want to end people with a with a great news that me and my dad have a, a great relationship. My dad has a relationship with his grandkids. And this is something that only only God can do. He brings reconciliation within his own, his himself. And with it he has reconciled us to him, which means we are reconciled with each other. He brings healing. It's amazing. So that's the good news of that. It was, of course, a process. But God really, he, he proved the words of the Bible that he was close to the brokenhearted. Yeah. Well, I well, already have been involved. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Reconciliation, though. Reconciliation means to be reconciled back to the, to what was right. Yeah. And that's why uh, racial reconciliation is an oxymoron. Uh reconciliation is always back to Christ. Yes. And if there's not a reconciliation to Christ, then nothing else happens. So when you reconciled your life, if you will, to our Father. Yes. It's fascinating where, where God is male and female, and He's, you know, all the attributes of, of God. But when Jesus said to pray, he said, Pray our Father, because everything in our lives is based on images. The most important thing you can do in a person's life is create an image. The second most powerful thing you can do in a person's life is tear down that image, which is what Satan did with his accusation of God. Did God really mean that? Did he really say that? Would he sure. do? That? And, and so he gave us an image, the highest image that he could think of, of who he was to us. He's our father. Mm. And a father, you know, when Paul said you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers— the key there is that, and he was talking to the Church of Corinth, guys had gone through a lot of stuff, but he said, I love you like a father. And let me tell you, I don't love you like an instructor. You got 10,000 of those. I love you like a father. And quite literally what he meant, John, was a, an instructor tells you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: And, yeah. and that's what Paul was saying, and that's what happened to you. Then, then did you get into music right after that where you're already – yeah, well, I, um, my, my
1: mom was actually a piano teacher. So ah. I, yeah, so I began playing piano at about age five. I began singing. I think I sang my first solo in church at age four, <laughs> which, um, which to answer your original question, uh, my singing at age four was an inside voice, uh, not, announced, not, not, my <laughs> not my now voice. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I was always um, a lover of music yeah but 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 you are right in this uh, to tell another interesting thing about my testimony my mom was also uh, what I would consider to be and uh, very legalistic uh, my, my mom really believed that rock music drums were evil uh, rock music was evil it was created by Satan and and and, and, and all the like and so I wasn't allowed to, to listen to rock music and it was the fact that my mom passed away that I was like, you know what? I can kind of do what I want now. And And she was the the
0: classic church pianist. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: With the the little skirt on the piano that dropped down in front of them when they sat.
1: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes.
0: All that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating, man. (laughs) You know, so that's, gosh, what a journey though. It's kind of like, okay, this is absolutely tragic. Now on the other side, here's the hand of God moving in your life and you're set free to go into some music that you never listened to or went into before. What were the biggest influences right then at that point in your life? Music? Well, I loved, I loved Christian music.
1: Um, and, and we had had, me and my mom had had it out really bad in sixth, seventh and eighth grade during the years when she was sick because she wouldn't let me listen to Christian music. And and I mm-hmm. it just made no sense to me, but in, in, her, in her mind, Christian music was even worse than metal because it was wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, it was, it was like even worse. Like I'd rather you be a Satan worshiper than to be a Satan worshiper who pretends to be a Christian singer. (laughs) So that was her, her idea. And eighth grade, this is a really hilarious story. Eighth grade Petra was coming in town. Yeah. I, adored Petra. I loved Petra. And uh, my buddies were going, my church youth group was going, my mom wouldn't let me go. And you got to remember, this is like really like three years into my mom battling cancer. She's, the doctors are saying, you're not going to make it. And I'm like, I cannot believe you won't let me go to a Christian concert. So my mom ends up saying, you know what? I'll make a deal with you. I will take you to the Petra concert. And when, not if, when Petra starts praying to the devil or, or when Petra um, does any animal sacrifice, then we are going to leave the concert. And you have or, to agree. Or bite the
0: head off of a bat.
1: That's, that's exactly what she believed. Yeah. And so we went to the Petra concert. And, and, and in the end, my mom made an exception. I still believe that Christian music is evil, but Petra is okay. <laughs> so anyway, Petra was a massive influence on me. Um, I've got lots of great stories, DeGaro and Key, oh, Avin yeah. Grant, um, yeah. Michael W. Smith, but also the metal. The Christian metal world was actually quite good. White Cross, Um, There was a ton of great metal striper, of course, metal bands that maybe weren't pop. Nobody knew about them, but they were quite good. And I had, they really fed my, my soul. And I learned a lot about the Bible from Petra, by the way. Yeah, there
0: were a lot of guys, you know, in that era, you know, coming out of, I was around kind of when it started, I was, uh, I was in Calvary Chapel when there were 300 people there. You know, it was in the first time love song ever sang was a sunny night. They didn't even have a set of drums, <laughs> you know, and so I go way back to that late sixties stuff and hate Ashbury and all that. But, you know, watching the Jesus music come up was one of the most amazing things for me to ever see. Mm. And, it, and if you will, it was guys coming out of bands and getting saved right. and not knowing what in the world was happening. I remember a guy, I remember we sat down, uh we were producing a show this would have been 1973 or 74 and it was a guy named barry mcguire who was a friend of mine and we had a tv show we were doing and stuff and one of the guys that had just gotten saved out of one of the big bands came in and he sat down and he goes man i've been reading this bible thing <laughs> he said uh and he's reading the book of acts he goes man i think all these guys are going to get killed <laughs> <He> goes, <laughs> Isn't this just really bad? All of this stuff. You're like, he's just, he came in totally bummed out. He's like, and so that was uh, a lot of that scene. And uh, out of that, if you will, second generation to Gorman key and then, you know, Greg X Vols and all these different guys that came out. um, It was no longer, I'm trying to be like I was and just sanctify it. They were actually doing new things. And, uh, that's what I appreciated about that whole era there that, that, and that's what I appreciated about Petra, you know, which means a rock. Yep. And, uh, and those guys, and, and they had some strong beliefs. Everybody goes through their journey, you know, and, uh, and you did this. This is an amazing. Scene. It's in your forward of your book because all of these guys, and I think of, uh, when Russ Taft, when Russ Taft started, when he did metals and then, uh, the guys from Hollywood, who was it? Uh, BM entertainment or something. They wanted to manage him and stuff. They're going to make a big deal and it ended up being just a mess. Yeah. Cause they didn't under, they didn't understand. We actually believe Jesus was the son of God. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: We yeah. actually believe Jesus lived a sinless life. I have a funny story, uh, uh Deb,
1: if you don't mind me jumping right. off of what you just said. I'll tell you, because since you're so involved in music, I don't know how, how many people even know who the, that are listening, know who all these bands are, right, right. Um, but I will tell you a funny story from Dana Key. Sure. So I don't know if you know, because I'm from Memphis, uh, Dana Key is actually who signed me.
0: Oh. And I've got,
1: yeah. So I've got lots of funny stories about that, but I, I love DeGarmo and Key. So Dana Key right. was kind of a mentor to me in a certain way. Once when, Skill- wow. when Skillet got signed. And I remember Dana Key talking to me one time. And he said, "So John, what do you want to do with this record?" And I was a young, passionate guy. Remember, I loved John the Baptist, and I said, "Dana, I don't want to just sing to Christian people. I want to sing to people who hate Jesus. I want to go to clubs and I want to sing whatever." And, and at that time, I loved DeGarmo and Key, but I didn't really understand the whole history of DeGarmo and Key. I didn't, I didn't know their history. I just kind of thought, "How come Christian bands aren't quote unquote going mainstream?" And uh, I said, you know, I don't actually think that people will mind if I sing about Jesus. I remember Dana Key saying something to me that I will never forget because he was a real a soft-spoken, you know, he, he, he always kind of seemed like he was half high, you know? He, he had that like laid back, you know, like he's just chilling out thing, you know? And Dana Key goes, John, you know what I believe? The world actually doesn't hate it if you say you love Jesus, but the world hates it. If you actually live for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And And I said, what, what do you, wait, what do you mean? He's like, everybody says they love Jesus. He was really ethical. People love to hang around Jesus. Tax collectors love to hang around Jesus. Prostitutes, drunkards. He's like, I can find you the most atheistic, sinful person in Memphis, Tennessee right now and say, do you think Jesus was cool? And they say, yeah, man, I think Jesus is cool. But if you actually say, I believe that Jesus is the only way, truth and life, that ain't cool. And that has stuck with me now for 21 years since he said it to me.
0: Great word of a mentor. Let me ask you then, because you had, you, okay, all of a sudden starts the stuff starts happening with skillet. And then we get back to you meeting your wife, but uh, you had, and it's a great story because it really is, if you will, the, the second temptation, right? See the world. Jesus said, you, I can do all this stuff. And you had some people approach you and say, Hey, you know, we can make you famous. We can do all this stuff, which you've always Wanted in the sense of having a platform to speak your faith, right? I mean, we're not looking. Yeah. In other words, the reason I'm on Instagram is not because I think my photos are cool. Yeah. But it gives me the opportunity to share my faith with people that it may come across who need that word that day. Right. right? So uh, this guy, like he laid everything out and he said, but there's just one thing, John. (laughs) Right? Yes. There's this one thing. This, this Jesus stuff, don't do that cuz that'll yeah. mess you
1: up. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think that that was you, you uh, you're right. I wrote that in the prologue of my book. Yeah. Um it's almost like the story you have to read to understand why why even listen to me. I'm just another guy people don't know. Why listen to me? Here's the prologue. The prologue is is that I want to do music. I love music. I want to I want the world to hear my music and uh, not because I think I'm amazing, but because I want my message to get out to the world. I want and but I do I would like to be respected by the world instead of always being looked at as like the Christian cheesy version, you know, the cheesy right, version of rock right. and roll. Well all of a sudden I'm here at this uh, venue and this powerful person in the industry, the kingmaker, is saying, "John, you guys have everything everything you need to become what I, he, this is his words. I think you could become the next biggest band in the world in, in this year. Are you ready to do it? You have it all. The only thing is you've got to stop talking about Jesus. And that, that's what he said to me word for word. And, but wow. here's what was more confusing. I, w- I want to give another category because this is what I think you're, you were just alluding to. One category is deny your faith in order to become rich and famous. A lot mm-hmm. of people have done that, right? Yeah just deny Christ and then get everything you ever want No, I'm not a Christian. I'm not into Jesus. I'm, but he was even nuancing. He's saying, I'm not saying deny your faith. I'm just saying, stop talking about it. Don't mention mm-hmm. it. Don't just don't, don't let that be a thing in order. This is his words in order for you to end up having a bigger platform to do good in the earth, to do social justice. One of his other things he said to me was like, look, Look at Bono. Everybody loves Bono. In other words, don't talk about Jesus, just raise money for needy people yeah. in Africa, which of course I think is a good thing to do. All of a sudden that that confusing word, and that is a lot like what you said in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? Is that confusing word that comes where the devil comes in and says, ah, uh, did God actually say this? Maybe what he said was, and then he comes in with it. And, and I shared that story to say that a lot of the times, lies can sound a lot like truth. The best mm-hmm. lies sound like truth. That's what they tell you. If you're going to go undercover cop, don't make up a whole brand new story that has no elements of truth. Use some of your own history. Use things yeah. that you are familiar with because it comes across as you believe it more. That's what the enemy does when it comes to robbing Christians of being effective for Christ. Dude. And so he, he comes in and he says, Hey, I'm going to tell you a little bit of this. It's not a hundred percent a lie. It's enough of a lie to steal joy away from you to make you is, not effective for the exactly. kingdom of God.
0: The book is awake and alive to truth, finding truth in the chaos of a relativistic world by John Cooper and I'm talking with John. And uh, you've got, you know, the book, the band skillet, you've got billions of streams uh, online, sold millions of albums, all that. Uh, but you and your wife do this together. Yeah. And and you talk about, uh, and people need to just go on YouTube, guys who haven't seen you in concert or something. Just pull up one, of not, you know, you've got some great, amazing conceptual videos. Mm. But I think what's also compelling is some of your live uh, concert stuff, because talk about energy, bro. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know if you have a workout program that leads up to each concert. <laughs> You know what? But your wife brings the same thing to it. You know, I saw one where she ran out on stage, got down on her knees, and leaned all the way back, back up. And I'm going, that alone for me, just doing that one move, (laughs) I would be like, uh, I got to sit down for five minutes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You guys are doing this together, you and your wife. Where'd you meet?
1: Yes, we are so blessed. All of my friends are, all my band friends are jealous. They're like, I don't see my wife for a month and you get to have your wife on on the road. We are really blessed. We met, let's see, my wife is from Wisconsin, uh, which is, which is where we live. Yeah. My wife went to a year long, um, I would say kind of a Bible program type thing in England years ago, right after, right after high school. Yeah. And she actually uh, lived with a family who ended up, after that year-long program, that family moved to Memphis to pastor a church that wow. I began going to. And wow. so my, my pastor would say, hey, I, there's somebody else your age that loves the stuff that you love, you know, music and evangelism and the and the other. And so that's how we met. We never thought we would be together. He never imagined we'd be together. He just thought it's really cool that two young people have a vision for music like this, (laughs) because she's she's uh, intelligent, she's academic, she's an introvert, and I am everything opposite of those of those items. So he never imagined we'd be together, but what what, some about it clicked. I think it was the passion for the gospel, and even though she's a lot more intellectual than me honestly but i'm a communicator and she's not a communicator and so something about it worked and we're both passionate about sharing the gospel through the power of music we both believe that god created music in some sense um i i I like to say it like this you know people always say whatever you have here you can't take it to heaven you can't take your money to heaven you know you can't take your car to heaven we're going to have music of some sort in heaven because we know that worship will go on and on and on. I don't understand all of that, but we all experience the obvious power of music. There's something of the power of music. And and there's a biblical, um, uh, there's a biblical uh, reason to back this up. You, You remember the story of, of King Saul, when 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 David was still a young a young man and King Saul's being tormented by demons and they call for young David that we we need an, an anointed musician to come and play who <laughs> plays skillfully but is full of full of the power of God and a young David comes and plays and and it relieves the torment of the demons. I can't explain that theologically except to say that I believe when I put my guitar on and my wife believes when she puts her guitar on that we are going to war in the heavenlies against principalities and, and powers of darkness. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is breaking chains over people's lives through the power of the Spirit through anointed music. That's well, what
0: no, I- You know, for me, music is the oil of the soul. And when, when music happens, because I think everything has harmonic waves, okay? When music happens, there's a harmonic that happens. It resonates with particular spiritual atmospheres. Mm. And the atmosphere of heaven is a harmonic. That's why the ocean and it's why all the earth, you know, the the earth is humming. It's at 5.7 megahertz or 5.7 hertz. So the earth actually has a hum to it. There's actually a resonance to it. And for me, what music does is it opens the heart to the atmosphere in which the, music's, the music comes from. Mm. So when music comes from the Holy Spirit through you, through Seth, through, through the different people in your band, when that music happens to me, it opens our heart because the music doesn't bring the presence of God. Music only, re, only takes us to a place where it reveals the presence of God, mm. opens our heart. That's why in the 60s that I was involved in, in San Francisco and Haight ashbury and all this, music was the, was the tool of revolution. Yeah, that's true. And I believe mm-hmm. today that, that music is the language of revolution. Mm. You know, and, uh, and I think when we, if you start really studying, okay, I don't want to get off into this, but if you really start studying harmonics and, and the circadian rhythms of the earth and the ocean being the heartbeat of God, all those things, then you realize that, that the establishment of the kingdom of heaven starts in our hearts. Hmm. It's not outside external heaven. It's in our hearts. And so I think your music is what opens us to that. And that's why we do music in church. We don't do music because it's just what you do. It actually opens us to the presence of God and the healing power of God. And the same's true. First, what's the first date you ever took your wife on? you remember
1: oh gosh no i don't to be honest (laughs) i think it's probably because i had come up i had come up here to 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 visit and to kind of just kind of get to know her it was uh yeah yeah, it was more of like a soft beginning i guess you would say like meet the (laughs) family how's it going you know it was kind of like let's get to know each other and see if this is a thing it was more Probably that I came up here and had dinner with her family. That was probably more like what the first date would would have been like, you know, get to know each other, see see what's up. So that's mainly what awesome. I remember.
0: Yeah, our first date. In fact, I've got the poster right back here. Our second date was to see Cream. Oh, nice. <laughs> so oh, that's that's good. a bass player that was Jack Bruce. That's better than what we did. <laughs> yeah, Jack Bruce and Jack played. Uh, now you play five string bass. Yeah. All right. And he played five string in the studio, but four string bass on, on stage. So, uh, so you guys start meeting, things start happening. And what was the, uh, was, okay. Cause you're, you're the extrovert. So basically at some point you go, you know what, this is working. We should get married. How, how did that happen? Cause it's not in any book and it's not in your bio. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, you know. Especially Christians always want.
1: How do I know if she's the one? How do I know it's what God wants? You know, everybody always wants that one thing. Yeah, we'll do this and do this and turn around twice, and and you'll know from God. You know, um, yeah. It, it, you know, it was one of those things when I just felt this is just my my understanding of a situation. You know, God gives us in His Word things that we should look for in a in a spouse. You know, things of character that we should look what what kind of person is is she the things that should matter in a in in a relationship if I'm called to be married if I'm called to have kids then there should be a certain kind of a thing that I would be looking for in a mom you know frankly and so I was looking at those things trying to say the, the wisdom of God that's found in the word and I just found Corey to be someone that was really into She's very passionate about godly character. She, she was very, very passionate about, you know, uh, it, it's not about gifting. It's not about, you know, whatever gifts God has given you. It's about the character that you have in becoming like Christ. And I, I was really, really attracted to that because to me, that, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Uh, to me, what is attractive is someone that is not all about themselves, right? You know, you can find a great looking woman and she can be the best looking woman in the entire world, but it might just be that her entire world revolves around the way she looks maybe. And I find that to be extremely unattractive. And, but what I was really attracted to in Corey, to be honest with you, is that she wasn't all about herself. Mm. She didn't care about money. She didn't care about what other people thought. She just wanted to live for Jesus. And I really just loved that about her. And as I was praying, I just felt you know what, it's the wisdom, the wisdom of my choice based on the wisdom of God in the word and Proverbs of what a woman should be like. Right. And and I thought that was a really wonderful thing. And it just became clear to me, this is a wise decision.
0: So you said, so one day you just said to her, Hey, let's do this. Or I, I think that better. we both were, co- we both knew on the
1: front end, we both had, we both had a, mm-hmm. a similar, let's say it like this. We both had a similar Um, philosophy on what Christian dating should be. Everybody's going to have a million different, I don't want to, I wouldn't argue with anybody on here about what that should be, but what I knew what I wanted to be for my life was not playing the field. I knew I didn't want to have a, I dated 10,000 different Christian women and told them all I loved them and wrecked people along the way. I had already done that in high school. When I got serious about the Lord, I began realizing I'd really hurt a lot of women and, and uh, sorry, a lot of girls because they weren't women. We were high school. And I don't want, I want to, I want my romantic relationships to be pleasing to God. And in such a way that we can still remain brother and sister in Christ in the same church, if that was in the same local church, if that was meant to happen. So we both knew on the front end, Hey, we're going to take it slow. We're going to be honest. We're not looking to have fun. We're not looking to kind of play the field. We're 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 both looking at each other. Like, Are you someone for me or not? And so I think that that just kind of made it. As we began to go, we just had normal talks about it. To be honest,
0: yeah, that's fantastic, and and I really do pray that for every young man to find that person, every young lady, Uh, and us as as moms and dads to be able to pray for your kids because you're already praying. You've got teenagers, yeah, so you're already praying that over your daughter uh, who's the oldest. Yeah, over your son and saying, Lord, the right person at the right time and guard their heart. You know, so this book that we're talking about, uh, and also you just came out with a new album just a few months ago, right in the middle of COVID, right? Yes, it was
1: actually a a deluxe version with extra songs, extra tracks from the album that came out last year.
0: The one that you toured before, okay. Which is Victorious.
1: Victorious. That's a great title for, for being in the middle of COVID. It's going to get you through. We are victorious. Christ is victorious. And so, yeah, it's right. It would make you feel uplifted in a world where we, we really need to feel uplifted.
0: Yeah. Well, it is, it's, here's, here's my take on the music is it is strong. Okay. It's not, nobody backs up. John does not back off <laughs> on this. Uh, nor does Corey, Uh, and then you wrote a book. In the book, I want to go through a couple things and then mention how you hit one thing before we close. But you hit on postmodernism, relativism, Marxism, uh, the the, absolutely stunning little chapter you did, uh, We Don't Worship Love. Mm. God is love, but we don't worship love. And that's that's what I, I would call nuance, and yet it's so important. For people today to understand that, because of our shifting nature of values, and then awake and alive to truth, finding truth in the chaos of a relativistic world, uh, awake and alive to truth, and then that's John Cooper. So, can we? Where do we find that? Johncooper.com is going to be on.
1: Uh, it's actually, JohnLCooper.com/slash uh, awake. If you want to go straight to the book, but yeah. my, it's on my website, JohnLCooper.com.
0: But if we go to johnlcooper.com, we can also go to your podcast. Correct.
1: Right? Which is yes, so you can Stuff. find my podcast, which is called Cooper Stuff, in which I talk about um, uh, culture and, and faith. Uh, I talk mm-hmm. a lot about culture, actually, cultural philosophies. So we did end up delving into politics because it's impossible to talk about culture without politics these days. Right. And, um, and and how that relates to the Christian worldview versus the worldview that that we're kind of being smacked in the face with all the time and how Christians can live for Christ in such a confusing time period. And, And I would say, I think that the pinnacle chapter of the book, as you mentioned, is the chapter on love, because that to me, that is the biggest but one of the biggest things we're wrestling with in the church and, and I borrowed it from a W Tozer. I'm a big a W Tozer fan. He's a wrote a, a book that changed my life called um, knowledge of the Holy, which was yeah. on it's the attributes of God. I read it in college and it just changed me, you know, in a big way, but he, he has, a, he, he says that he says, yes, God is love, but love is not God. You know, love is not the overriding definition of everything that he is. Um, Uh, you know, love at the expense of all of his other attributes. He is always everything that he is. And and that, that was so helpful for me in college. And now, as you said, you really see the undoing, not just of of America, but of the American church from a misunderstanding of, of what that means. So I really hope that this could help people who are young in their faith, or maybe they love Jesus, but they don't quite understand theology it's kind of basic theology in that sense i hope and, it encourages people in their faith
0: and all theology is is understanding god so it's a word that means that and you do uh, you talk about forgiven and recreated mm-hmm. uh you talk about idolatry yep i mean really you know you lay it? <laughs> it out there but here's where I, here's where i want to finish up is is this and i want to pull this together in terms of what we do with brave men in our podcast with Christian men's network, and that is biblical masculinity. And in chapter eight, you talked about Jesus, a lion and, uh, and how we have, in order to be acceptable, if you will, made Jesus soft. Yes. He's sort of a limp guy. <laughs> One thing is yeah. men. There's really not something we'd like written in our bios. Yes. He's limp. Right. Yes. That's definitely not what we want written in our bios. <laughs> right. And, and I think that when you hit that, because you talk about love, but being loving is not always being nice, being nice, not always being loving. And you hit Jesus, the lion. Tell me about that and where that came from. You know
1: what? I, I love what you just said. And I love that mission. I think this is really needed. So I'm really thankful that that you're doing this and that people are, people are watching and getting encouraged because it is a it is change the definition of what being masculine means. And in fact, I would say, I would take it even further, which I think is probably part of what you're saying. Yeah. I would say that secular culture is actually calling masculinity, well, well, they call that toxic masculinity. They would say, yeah, these things that, that we have typically thought of as being masculine, they're actually bad. But the truth is, is that they're not bad. Now, can they be? Can we use them in a sinful way? Absolutely, all right? No man should assault a woman. That is sinful masculinity, but that doesn't mean that men shouldn't be uh, strong. There are times that men sh- shouldn't be aggressive, and that we can't stand firm. So I think that there, there's a lot of different nuances there, but I do think from a cultural perspective, being masculine is out of style man it is way out of style and 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 we talk about jesus the lamb but we don't know if we really like jesus the lion and and i'm seeing it all all through the church but he is a warrior king right Mm -hmm. he's not just the lamb he is the the lion and the lamb it's this amazing he's a warrior king and he has declared war against his enemies and so I don't know. I, I just think that it's really worth saying to people that it's okay to say things that are true. It's okay to tell your kids, no, don't touch right. the hot stove. No, don't go play in the street. No, don't speak with that kind of language in the, in this house. No, don't treat your mother that way. So on and so forth. Right. And we get into all the other things that are in the world right now, but we definitely have a culture that tells us we are not allowed to do that, even in the church. Men need to be soft. We need to be empathetic, and 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 every time a pastor says something true and black and white, all these people come out to them to. They want to basically feminize them. They want to feminize them to say, "Hey, be nicer, be empathetic," and I think that that is a real mistake. And 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 by the way, you'd have to ignore tons of the words of Jesus you'd have to ignore Jesus in in the temple with the money changers you have to ignore the th- all the things Jesus said about about hell about if your eye caused you to sin to be better to pluck it out so on and so forth but well, you'd and
0: the- have to you'd have to ignore the fact that he uh, he beat up a bunch of guys in church a couple times
1: <laughs> there there's a lot we have to ignore and about the Old Testament about the things that God says are holy and the things that God says please him and and so anyway i just um i think that that's really worth saying because i do think there's a lot of people in the church who do love god and they want to live for jesus they they're just confused and and i want to encourage them hey understand this loving god means loving jesus the lion (laughs) that's an important message
0: yeah, exactly. I, I think, and I think you did it brilliantly. Uh, the book is awake and alive to truth. I'm sure it'll be everywhere you get great books by the time we get this on the air. And uh, I, John, I, you know, it takes a lot to write a book. takes a lot of effort, intentionality, uh, focus. Uh, you sweat blood. <laughs> <I> mean, this <laughs> yeah. is, if you will, as a writer, it is our our Gethsemane experience. But I love the other side of Gethsemane is is that there's a resurrection life. Yes. And I thank God for the resurrection life that's in this. Even when you write about stuff that's strong and you're really going, hey, this is just the way the word says it. uh, You do it with a sense of respect. And, uh, you know, think about being a dad. And when we talk about our father and we talk about Jesus, the lion, is that one of the things that dad does for his children is provide protection. And a good name, yeah. And uh, and you've kind of set that up, and I really appreciate that, John. Talking to John Cooper of the band Skillet, uh, one of the best known, most well known bands in the in the world, and also a band that is uh, performed by is Christians in the band. So it's I I try hard not to call it a Christian band because right. it's kind of like a Christian movie which yeah. you know which, which we don't we don't we don't go to <laughs> but if it's a movie made by Christians I'm I'm in probably yeah you it's know funny, like, Spider-Man, like Spider-Man like Spider-Man the first one that was written uh, you know the the treatment was written by some guys who were Christians and so you end up with scripture right in the middle of the movie funny wow look, there's, yeah there's a ton of followers of Christ in uh, in LA and New York and Hollywood and recording in Nashville the recording industry And sometimes I think what happens is we've allowed definitions to determine our uh, style or our influence. Sure. And uh, we've let the world redefine what Christian means. And so we've got to redefine it again. And I think that's what you've done with this book. And John, I just applaud you and your wife, Corey, and the things you guys are doing. I pray as as you uh, raise your children, they're teenagers. The Lord will bless you in that. I know you guys do a lot on the road. So I hope this has been a great time, this COVID time, to really kind of a family bonding time, right? Up yeah, absolutely.
1: Cancer. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we could talk for hours on this stuff. We could go through your music. You've got so many. I could ask you why you did a certain thing on your video, you know, uh, the <laughs> one you did on Monster. Why this image? You know, but they're fantastic, so well done, and I applaud you on that, on your going after excellence, and at the same time, going after excellence with a spirit and conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He is our hope. And so, we pray over you and your wife. We pray everything your hands touch will prosper, and every place you put your feet will be holy ground, and that God will keep you deep within the grip of His grace and favor Mm. in the days to come. Thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit on brave men. And, uh, and I, again, johnlcooper.com and, uh, awake and alive to truth is a book. And my advice and counsel to everyone listening is buy two or three of these books because you want it in your own place, but you want, there's guy, people, you know, who need it. Hmm. I know I'm going oh, to record a number of them for friends of mine that are in the music industry and, uh, it, it really does speak. I kept waiting, you know, seriously, I'm reading the book. I'm going, man, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm like, okay. At some point here, he's going to come out with some freaky, you know, Freakonomics would be a good, <laughs> you know, some sort of out there sort of thing. Yeah. You know, something from Jupiter, you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, and none of that happened. I read all the way through it and got to the end. I went, Oh, this is, Sky loves Jesus. Oh, fantastic.
1: Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you so much for the support. And uh, I really enjoy being on the podcast. And I just want to thank everybody for listening.
0: Yeah, it's great talking to you, John. God bless you, man. Good to meet you, you. as well. I want to thank John Cooper for hanging out with me on Brave Men today. Uh, my name is Paul Lewis Cole, and I am blessed to be the president and CEO of Christian Men's Network, uh, a ministry that's in 134 countries around the world. We are a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness, ending child abuse, and stopping the attack on the family. We believe the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit changes men's lives from the inside out. And when we change the heart of a man, when we touch his heart, we change the soul of a nation. Uh, We believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, We say so often, Chris, who's our producer, and Bruce, and uh, Jesse, and David, and all the rest of us on our team, hope is alive, hope has a name, hope's name is Jesus, and we believe that, and that's why we do Brave Men every single week. Please do this for me, would you? Would you go on the, uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, would you hit subscribe on there? Hit the subscribe button. That puts us in front of more people because the algorithms, when they see more people subscribe, they put you in front of more people. Seems like a little bit of a catch-22, but that's the way things work. So uh, thank you for being a part today of Brave Men. You can find all our tools and materials and resources at cmn.men. That's Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. For all the men of the Christian Men's Network in over 100 nations around the world, I just want to say God bless you. And everything you're doing today. For those men that I've talked to in the last few months who have come up to me at different places and settings and said, hey, thank you for the podcast. I just wanna tell you, thank you for the affirmation. And let's stay in touch. Let's do this thing together. Let's be a brotherhood that changes the future of the world because we are sold out like John Cooper. We are awake and alive to truth and we are followers with reckless abandon of Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part today of Brave Men. I'm Paul Lewis Cole. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus.
1: You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.